This morning we're going to be thinking about, as Jonathan has said, we're going to be thinking about the church. Um, but to help us think about that, uh, I wonder if I could ask some, uh, some questions that might sound as if they're starting from a negative place, but I don't mean to be negative. But I wonder, I wonder if you've ever been in an environment um, where you just felt like you didn't belong. So, you, somewhere where you felt like you didn't have a place. Like, like maybe no one would even really notice if you weren't in that situation. You know, hopefully you know what I mean. It's like the opinion of others seems to carry more sway, like your voice wasn't even heard in the first place. Maybe it was a, a work meeting or a, a family gathering or some kind of social occasion. And you find yourself just wondering, what on earth am I doing here? You, you, you felt like you didn't belong. You felt like a nobody. And as sad as those occasions are for those of us who've experienced them, the glorious truth from God's word is that each and every one of us are somebody. We are somebody. We can belong. You see, every single one of us, as God's word tells us, is made in the image of God. He has crafted us and created us in his image, and he longs for relationship with us. Therefore, every human being, has immense value and dignity and purpose. And so our core identity, who we are, it's only and truly and fully found in our maker. It's only found in God himself. We are loved by him. He is offering relationship to each and every one of us by forgiving our sins and welcoming us into his family. And so for those of us who have accepted his forgiveness, who've responded in faith to what Jesus has done in that offer of salvation, there is one place that where you are not a nobody. And that is within God's family, the church. And so this morning, I'd like us to explore this idea further by looking at the church as the body. And as we do, I hope that we'll see that in the church of Jesus Christ, nobody is a nobody. Everybody is a somebody. Every believer in Jesus Christ is placed in the church, universal and local, and has a purpose there too. Nobody is a nobody. But before we look at our main text for this morning, which is going to be 1 Corinthians 12, uh, let me explain how this thinking uh, about the church and our belonging here, let me show how that's actually grown out of what we've been studying in Nehemiah. As we've been journeying through Nehemiah, and some of you have been with us for those whole 13 chapters, but I was struck by how God has preserved so many different lists of names within, his, within that book. We encountered those lists of names in chapter 3, chapter 7, then chapter 10, 11, and 12. Lists of names within the Bible. But, but why are they preserved? Why has God preserved those names? Surely it's not just as an historical record, although it is that. But I believe one of the reasons that they are included in God's word is to give us insight into God's knowledge of and God's care for his people, his children, each of and every one of his children. And he cares and he knows so much that he preserves these lists of names for us that we, fair enough, as Northern Irish people, many of us reading these words in the 21st century, we can pronounce most of the names. And as we said, as we journeyed through Nehemiah, we tend to skip over these chapters but I believe that they've been included in the word of God to show us God's care for his individual children. God has kept those names, as we saw in chapters 3, 7, 10, 11, 12 of Nehemiah. He's kept them in his inspired, his holy word to show us that he knows 
and that he cares for his people. His people collectively, yes, but his people individually, yes. And so that got me thinking about other lists that we see throughout Scripture. Uh, And whether it's lists of historical record or genealogies or references to individuals that we see in many of the New Testament letters, we see lots of people individually mentioned in Scripture. And if we look at Paul's letters in particular, we see examples of people being specifically mentioned by name. So places like, and I'd encourage you to, to note these down and go back and look at some of these names. Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Timothy 4, Philemon, Colossians 4, and, and other places too. And aside from the lessons that God can teach us about those individuals, those specific people, some of them we only see once, some of them are giving a pass and mention, yet God has something to teach us positively or negatively about their experience. But aside from what we can learn from them as individuals, we can see the reality that these names are included in God's word because God knows and God's ca- God cares for each of his children, each and every one of his children, his family, who are part of his church. The point that I'm trying to get to is that in the church of Jesus Christ, nobody is a nobody. Every person who is part of Christ's church, globally, universally, capital C church, is an integral part of it, is a crucial part in it, is a valued part, is an active part. And therefore we can say that in the church, nobody is a nobody because God sees, God knows, and as we'll see through 1 Corinthians 12, God has placed each of us as part of his church. And as I mentioned, we are going to spend most of our time in the second half of this chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 because we see this reality made abundantly clear in this language of the body of Christ. And I know we've referenced this passage. I think I even mentioned it last week. But we're going to look intently at this passage this morning. So today, what I would love us to consider is what is the body in the first place? What are some of the characteristics of the body? And what does that have to teach us about the reality that Christ means that we belong to him and one another? And so what is the body? Next week, my plan at the minute is to turn our attention to Ephesians 4 and think about, well, if that's who the body is, then what does the body do? What, What is the purpose of the body? And we'll see that hopefully from Ephesians 4 next week. So please do join us for that. But if you have a a Bible with you, a copy of God's Word, either physically or electronically, can I invite you to to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read from verses 12 down to verse 27. Um, If you want to use one of the Pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 1153. Um, And as we say regularly here, if you don't have a copy of God's Word at home, please do take that one with you so that you can engage with God's Word um, throughout the week too. So let's read uh, this great passage of scripture together. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, and we'll finish. uh, We'll actually go right through to verse 31. Excuse me. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the, of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts, uh, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you the most excellent way. And then we go into first, uh, first Corinthians 13, where it's that wonderful chapter on love, that greater way, that most excellent way. And so as you've heard and reflected uh, on the, that passage, I wonder what you can see about what the body is. This morning, hopefully, what I, what I plan to show is that the body is united and diverse, and it is connected and intended. United and diverse, and connected and intended. So firstly, let's think about united and diverse. I wonder, as we read through those verses, did you spot the repetition of the phrases, one and many? One body, many parts, many parts, but one body. And, and that whole idea forms the basis of this word picture for the church, that the body is one thing, one entity made up of many different individual parts. On their own, those individual parts don't make the body. When they unite together, they are the body. Of, uh, they are the body. And in this case, in speaking in spiritual language of the body of Christ, it's only when they're united that they become one body. On their own, they're just individual parts. They are the many. But in the body, they become one. And so there is unity. And yet, alongside their unity, there's a, there's a proper celebration of their diversity. The many parts must be different to one another. They're, and therefore, they complement one another in order to make the body function as well as it can. So the eye is valuable on its own. But if it's not connected to anything, it's not the body. The ear is important, but it can't reach its full potential or its full purpose unless it's connected to the rest of the body. So the body is united, yes. It is diverse, yes. It has to be both. And likewise, the church. We are united and diverse. And so I want us to think about how. How are we united and how are we diverse? Well, firstly, it might seem straightforward, but we cannot overstate the reality that we are united because we are the body of Christ. It is Christ who unites us. And, and how does he unite us? Well, we can tell from Ephesians 2, and particularly verses 14 to 18, where we see so much of what Paul is writing to here. He's writing into the context of a Jew and a Gentile, how they are reconciled together, how they become one, how they are united together, even though everything about them seems so different. But let me read these, these verses for us in Ephesians 2, 14, and we'll read right through to verse 18. For he himself is our peace who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside his flesh 
setting aside in his flesh, sorry, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. So through him, through Christ, we have access to the one Father by the one Spirit. You see, it is in Christ, through Christ, that we are saved. And therefore, through him, all of us are brought to us from spiritual darkness and spiritual death to spiritual life and spiritual light. We've talked about that many times before. And therefore, because that is who we are, there is no greater unity than we can share than being in Christ. In reconciling us to God through the cross, Christ has broken down any other barrier that exists and unites those who trust in him and him alone for salvation. And so he, he unites his body together because of what he has done and the salvation that he offers. And, and so our unity, what unites us, what Jonathan prayed earlier for in our service, that our unity and our harmony would be protected here, that is a unity in Christ. We're not united by the style of our worship service. We're not united by the songs that we sing. We're not united by a really good children's program taking place in the hall. We're not united by language or culture. We are united in Christ as brothers and sisters, as you sit with one another here, if you're in Christ. And equally, as we look around our universal world and say, every other brother and sister sitting this morning, giving praise and honor to their saving father, then we are united with them in Christ. And so in Christ, we are united as his body, universally and locally. So we are united, but Christ's body is also beautifully and wonderfully and thankfully diverse. You see, our unity doesn't mean uniformity. Did you see that particularly in verse 17 as an example? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And so eyes and ears are important, but they can't be all that a body has. Otherwise, it's not a body. It's just an eye or an ear. And so it is with the church. Uh, of course, this makes sense to us. We have to only look at this word picture of our physical body to recognize the diverse parts of it and the wonder of how those diverse parts work together so that the whole then can flourish. And so thankfully, our heads and our feet are different. That's a good thing. Can you imagine trying to walk around with head-shaped feet? Or trying to see with hand-shaped eyes? It doesn't make sense, does it? No, we are diverse. Our eyes need to be our eyes, and our hands need to be our hands, and our heads need to be our heads, and our feet need to be our feet. But together, those diverse bodies, those diverse members, sorry, are able to function more fully as one unit, allowing the unit to thrive and the individual parts to thrive. And so it is with Christ's body, the church. We are diverse. And one of the ways that diversity is evidenced is in how God grants abilities and giftings and skills and personalities that we'll talk about in a second. So we are united, yes, at the very core of our salvation, but then we're given this variety of roles or functions within his body. Paul explains this pretty clearly throughout this letter. He's been talking at the minute, actually, in the middle of 1 Corinthians, particularly 11, 12, 13, 14. He's talking about spiritual gifts. 
and how they work themselves out in the local expression of the church. And by doing so, he's showing the variety and the diversity of those gifts. So you could go back to Luke 3, verse 8 to 11 to see some of those being listed. But also we can look at from verse 27 on that we see God has placed in the church first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then miracles, then healing, helping, guidance, tongues, interpretation of tongues. These are, this is a diverse list that make up the body. And it, it, this is a wonderful thing for us to celebrate, this diversity in gifting. But the point is, we see this diversity in the body of Christ, and we see this in the list, the, the many lists that we see, particularly in Paul's letters throughout the New Testament. So, for example, if you were to look through Romans 16, you see a bunch of different people mentioned, all fulfilling a different role or purpose. Some, with, some opening up their homes in hospitality, some working hard for the Lord, some giving generously to support the work of God's mission. And so there's every single one is important and vital and necessary just like every single part of our body, maybe apart from the appendix or the spleen or some of these things that we can medically now live without, but every single part of our bodies is essential for the flourishing of the whole. And equally, every single member needs to be part of the whole in order to flourish. And so we need to recognize and celebrate our unity and our diversity. And there's so much that we could talk about here, but the main thing that I want us to do is to begin to recognize and celebrate the things that make us diverse. The gifting and skills that God has given to each of us. None of us have been left out. None of us were absent the the days that God was giving out the gifts. We were all there. He has given them because he has saved us and he has empowered us with his spirit. And so we have these gifts and skills that he has given. And we would love for this local place, this expression of God's global church, to be a place where you can express those God-given, God-directed gifts and abilities. And so if you're feeling God nudge you in a direction, please speak to us. Let us help to see if we can create an environment for that gifting and ability to flourish in this place. And certainly a part of that is then a corporate discerning together. So if I ever offered to, to cook everyone dinner, no, maybe not. Someone needs to come along with wisdom and say, Adrian, that's maybe not quite your gifting. And you could see how that would work out in many other places. So please find an area where you can serve and serve well. And then for the rest of us, can I encourage all of us to be encouraging of those who we see serving? Because it, by serving us, they are serving our head. And so whether it's the people who, who make and serve coffee, maybe it's the team looking after the kids this morning, maybe it's the guys sitting behind the desk at the back looking after the PA, maybe it is those people like you and Anne who open up their home regularly to po- practice hospitality, maybe it's those who pray for you regularly and pray for the church family regularly, maybe it is those who send a message of encouragement with a phone call or a text through the week, maybe it's those who serve on our holiday Bible club team in the summer, Maybe it's those who make sure that these buildings are kept safe and well and prepared for us to gather to worship. Maybe it's those who need to stay at home to enable someone else to come and serve. There are so many ways in which each and every one of us do and can serve this local expression of God's church. And many of those ways of service go completely unnoticed by many of us. And so when we see them, let's say thank you. Let's encourage one another in our service together. Just as an example, I think on a quick count that I did this morning, I think about 14 people have served in some way to make this service happen this morning. Now, 14 out of, what is there, 60 of us here? 
That's a pretty impressive number. Let's find one of those 14 and say thank you. Because of the way they have served has enabled us to come and worship. And so one of the ways in which we can practically serve is one of the ways in which we are diverse by that gifting and ability that God has given to us. But that's, of course, not the only way we're diverse. We can celebrate the diverse nature of how God has created our personalities. Just in the same way that we're not uniform in the way that we serve, we're not uniform in the way that we think, in the way that we act. And that is a good thing. Let's celebrate the diversity of our personalities. Some of us in the room are are introverts. Some are extroverts. Some like to sit and listen. Others like to be listened to. Is that a gracious way of putting that? I put myself in that category. It's a wonderful thing to celebrate the diversity of we are united in Christ. We're not united because we're all the same. We're not united because we're all nice middle class folks from East Belfast. We're not, that's not what unites us. We are united in Christ. And so that means that we are different. And part of what it means to celebrate that difference and that diversity is being humble to say, you are a very different person than me. And I am grateful for you. And that might take some work to say that. That's also saying, this is a very different way in which I would do things. But I'm grateful for you. Because you're serving. And so we are united and diverse. The second thing that I want us to see is that we are connected and intended. And of course, these are all interlinked, aren't they? With our unity and our diversity. As I've said, we are united in Christ. And as his people, as image bearers of God, we are diverse. We all have been created by him to be different. And as his body, he connects us together. And we've touched on this slightly, but we can really see this highlighted between verses 15 and 26. We hear there of the foot or the ear saying that they don't want to belong to the body anymore. But we're also told that just because they say that, it doesn't mean that they stop being part of the body. See, by the very nature of being a foot or an ear, they are a body part. That's what they are. A foot on its own is a part of a body. It can't be anything on its own other than that. And therefore, the foot or the ear, they thrive when they stay connected to the body. They might say, I don't want to be part of it, but they can't leave it. By, By being a foot, they are a part of the body. And I think this is another way in which we can see this spiritual reality that's being highlighted through this physical picture of the body. That, that the members of Christ's body, individual believers in Jesus Christ, are intrinsically part of his body. And therefore, that body image shows that they thrive when they stay connected to the body. Now, I realize that in particular parts of the world, there are very genuine believers who cannot connect to a local expression of God's church. Maybe that's for personal security reasons. Maybe that's like the people we were praying for, the Tehama people or the Eastern Pashtun people. They, they are literally the only Christians in their district for miles. And so there maybe are very rare occasions where someone can't be part of a local expression of the body. But the biblical pattern seems to suggest that as a believer in Christ, we are, yes, wholeheartedly part of the global, universal body of Christ. And that's, that finds its expression in local congregations, local gatherings, local assemblies. The Greek word through the New Testament is ecclesia, assembly, gathering. And the impression given through this body language is that it is vital for our own spiritual development to stay connected to the body. And we stay connected to the body through the local expressions. 
if I could put it another way, it seems like we need the body to aid our spiritual development. It is one of the primary ways in which God moves in and through us. Now, God is supernatural. He can work outside of that. But I'm saying the biblical pattern seems to be to join with and commit to local expressions of his body. Stay connected there and thrive in that environment. And we do see that language of needing in this chapter, don't we? Look at verse 21. When we see the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. No, they need one another to be part of the body. I mean, if you think about it, an eye needs a hand. An eye sees something, tells the brain to pick it up. It can't pick it up without the hand. And so it is a very intrinsic part of their being that they need the other body parts to thrive. And I think it's just like that with the body of Christ. Now, I'm also aware that particularly maybe in Northern Irish culture, maybe even I would say Northern Irish Christian culture, we're not very good at expressing need of anything. We, we, we like to portray the facade of being self-sufficient. That we're okay on our own. We're doing fine, thanks. And, and there are many aspects of life, absolutely, that we can do on our own. Maybe you grow your own veg. Wonderful. You're self-sufficient. That's great. Maybe you can manage your own finances. Brilliant. Maybe you do your own career advice. Fantastic. But when it comes to our spiritual health, I think the teaching here from God's word through this image of the body is that we need one another. When it comes to having faith in Jesus Christ, we're not supposed to do it on our own. We're supposed to be connected. Connected globally to the universal body of Christ, yes, and find that expression locally. And I think that connectedness then leads to a shared concern for one another. Did you see that in verse 25? That there should be equal concern for each other. And I know that Paul is talking still there, but the members of the body, but that is all an image for us. And so as we show equal concern for each other, then personal preferences take a back seat. As I am equally concerned for your well-being and your needs and your spiritual development than I am for my own. And so we love and we care for one another so deeply that we celebrate that unity in Christ. We celebrate our diversity from one another. Regardless of how awkward that might get at times, regardless of how differently, as I said earlier, things might be done than we would want to do them. But out of our deep love and concern for one another, we're able to say, I have equal concern for you. And that level of concern can only be born out of an appreciation of our connectedness in Christ. That's, as we've mentioned before, all of those one another statements that we see throughout the New Testament, it's with an appreciation of our connectedness in Christ that we're able to live those out. That's how we're able to be patient with one another, not because I have enough patience in myself, no, but because I can look at someone and say, you are a brother or sister in Christ who he is working in. You're not the finished article yet, and so I can be patient with you because I know I'm not finished either. Christ is at work in my life as he is in yours. Let's journey together. And so we live out that one, those one another's because we recognize that we are connected. Finally then, we, we, we celebrate and seek to foster all of those things safe in the knowledge that this is not our body. Thank the Lord. We are not in charge of his church. This is Christ's body. And I was struck so often, we see it three times here in this passage, how God has placed the members where he wants them to be. And so we can see there that God intends the members to be connected with one another. He intends each of us to be here. And so we see it in verse 18, verse 24, verse 28, 
God has intended, he has placed each part of the body in its position. Let's look at verse 18 specifically. God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Can you see the intention there? God has placed, specifically positioned by the almighty creator God, the sustainer of the universe. He has placed each of the parts of the body exactly where he wanted them to be. Every one of them. There is no accidental or incidental part of our physical body. Likewise in the church. Nobody's a nobody. We are all here because God has placed us in his body. God has placed every one of them just as he wanted them to be. God has a plan and a purpose for his body. And that means each of us as individual members and then corporately as his body. He has a plan for where he has put you. And so be encouraged. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, God has called you to himself. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. He is at work in your life by his spirit, seeking to transform you more and more into the likeness of his son. That is wonderful good news. And part of God's work in your life means that he's called you to his family, his body, the church. That's true, as we've said repeatedly, universally and eternally. And it is also true locally and temporarily here in Gilnerhurt Baptist with the brothers and sisters sitting around you. God doesn't do things by accident. There are no random happenstances in God's work. As his child, he has united you with a diverse family. He has connected you together by his spirit and he intends for us to live together and live for him. He has plans and he has desires for us as individuals and for us as his body locally expressed here as a church family. We are connected and intended. And that's good news for us. And so as we close, let, let's consider verse 27. After all of that talk of the body, Paul then writes these words in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. I wonder, do we believe that? Do we recognize that in coming to Christ, we, he has joined us together with his, as part of his body with our brothers and sisters? Do we, do we live as though we are part of his united and diverse, connected and intended body? Do we know what our part is to play in his body? Or are we willing for him to show us that with greater clarity? Will we trust him to lead us in the plans and purposes that he has for us? By placing us in his body, we know that he must have them. So do we trust him enough to show us what they are and to obey where he leads us? And then as brothers and sisters together, will we support and encourage one another? Will we commit to loving one another? Will we show equal concern for one another? Because for every single believer in Jesus Christ, we know that nobody is a nobody. We are his body. We are united and diverse. We are connected and intended. And he is our Lord. He is our head. And so let's seek to live in a way that glorifies him as we live as his body in the spaces and the places he leads us to. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed each 
member of the body where he wanted them to be. May you be encouraged by that today. May you be challenged. But may all of us seek to live a life that glorifies our head. Let's pray to him. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your saving work, which draws us from that uh, darkness and eternal death to life and eternal light. And thank you that by saving us, Father, as we have said many times in this place, by saving us to yourself, you then welcome us into your family, that we are your children. You have adopted us as your sons and daughters, and we praise you. And so we recognize that as sons and daughters, you give us brothers and sisters. And so our spiritual family, here locally and around the world, universally and globally, we thank you for one another. We thank you for the gift of one another. Thank you, Father, for how you show us and and work through our brothers and sisters to to develop us and to, to mold us more into the likeness of your Son. Lord, thank you that your Spirit is constantly at work in our hearts and in us corporately as we gather. And I pray that you would indeed help us to to know and celebrate our unity and our diversity. That you'd help us to know our connectedness, help us to know the intention with which you've placed us here. Father, would you show us more clearly? For those of us who are wrestling with what it means to serve you in this local expression of your church, would you show us clearly, Father, where you're calling us? the giftings and the abilities and the the burdens that you've placed on our hearts that that we can express here by serving. Serving one another as we gather here, serving our local community from this place, whatever that happens to be, Father. Would Would you give us that clarity and then give us the boldness and the obedience to follow your leading? Father, as we as we think about your church, we recognize, God, that there are many times that we get things wrong that there, there is many opportunities for hurt and for pain and for disappointment in other people who we meet in your church. And Lord, I pray that you bring healing. I pray that you bring restoration where that's needed. And I pray, Father, that your body, big picture globally, your body would, would faithfully answer the call to live out what it means to be faithful followers of Jesus. And Father, we recognize as we pray that big picture for your universal church, that begins with each of us, responding in faith and in obedience to say, here I am, use me, Father, as the part of the body that you've intended me to be. So we thank you for your word. Would you bless us, we pray. And it is for your glory that we ask all of these things. Amen.